Hello, Gems. Welcome to another episode of Tiaras and Tech. I'm your host, Shelley Benhoff, and today I'm talking about travel safety with Kimberly McCabe. She is a Sitecore Ambassador MVP and Business Development and Product Marketing Strategist. She has traveled and lived all over the world, including Canada, France, the UK, and USA. We've both had some less than stellar travel experiences, and I thought it would be good for us to sit down and hash out some travel safety tips so that you can avoid what we went through. Just a slight warning, there are a few audio issues in the start of this episode, but they were worked out by the end. Without further ado, on to the interview. Hey, Kimberly, how are you? Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. This is super cool. (laughs) Um, I thought to start, we would just um, have an intro, who you are, where you're from, your career experience, and your current status as an awesome Sitecore MVP. (laughs) Well, I'm originally from Canada. I was born and raised in Toronto and haven't lived in Canada for almost half of my life, which is kind of crazy and super cool at the same time. So I've lived in the U.S., and France and the UK. So that's been super exciting. My background has really been a mix of um, marketing and different capacities and business development. So strangely, I have some certifications in financial advisor, which is really, um, and I've done, you know, things like doing marketing for Sitecore Park and doing marketing at Google and I'm you know (laughs) always you know on different little adventures so and and currently I'm a Sitecore ambassador MVP and I think it's part and parcel from being in the Sitecore community for so long so I think I've been in the Sitecore community since 2007 so it's been a while yeah, and just to explain, because I'm not expecting everybody to like know what Sitecore is. It's a um, like an experience platform for web and marketing tools with like personalization and stuff like that. Just to explain to those who aren't in the know, it's very niche. It's very like small, very small niche. community. Yeah. It's and easy to forget when your life revolves around it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we talk about it like every single day. I mean, around mm-hmm. this room, I have like, you know, water thing. I have a, you know, phone right. stand, mouse pad, you know, we live and breathe my, it. <laughs> I have my little phone oh, yeah, stand yeah, right here. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I, it's, it's very interesting that you've lived in so many countries like what was your uh favorite overall well I love France but I think it's a question for me because it is easy to live the visas make things complicated so France was probably the most difficult to I because I was doing a master's and then because I obtained a master's degree in France, I could work there, um, but only with my job giving me that visa. And so at the point that I really like my job and I really had to give a visa. <laughs> so if I went to Paris, I would jump on the plane and go back to France if I could, because I really do love the French culture. Um, living in London is really exciting and there's, there's a lot going on in part because it's just, you know, it's so condensed. There's about 67 million people on an island, you know, so you really do have the vibe that you're in the middle of it all and everything is happening. Um, and yeah, those are my favorite. Great. I'm not yeah. living in any of those places right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have not lived anywhere except for. America. So I can't, uh, 
relate to living places, but traveling to places segue into today's topic is travel safety. Kimberly and I have both traveled internationally extensively, and we've both Mm -hmm. had some, you know, not great experiences. And we just want people listening to avoid them because we've both been in some situations that could have gone much worse. Um, So let's start off with like a, a story of a trip that went sideways for you. Sure. Well, one trip that went a little bit sideways um, was flying from London to UK. And, you know, as soon as I got to the airport, I was being hounded by car services saying that they were my car service, you know, come with me, blah, blah, blah. And at first you're a little jet lagged and you're thinking, oh, okay, well that worked out smoothly. And then you kind of register that, wait a minute, I need to check, you know, that you are the right one. And the sinking feeling that you get realizing that somebody is trying to scam you into getting into a car. And it's like a split second thing, right? They're like, hey, I'm your car service. Like, oh, and then you check your phone and you're looking for information and you figure out that they're not. But then you all of a sudden feel really vulnerable. Yes. So, I mean, one thing that I've learned through traveling is when I'm going to places, especially that I don't know, or places that I know can be problematic, that I always have the ground transportation figured out. Sometimes I even go as far as looking at the airport map or having like a link to it on my phone so that I feel like if I need to find my way around, I can without going to people and saying, hi, I'm a vulnerable person that has no idea where I am. Can you please help me? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And I know I've I've told you, I, I had a similar story. I was in Belgium, right? Belgium. Yeah. I can't even remember. And I, I, well, first of all, I was asked to go after work at night. I should have said, no, no one man or woman should arrive in a country that they're not familiar with at 11 o'clock at night that is not safe and I cannot believe that I agreed to this like I should have said no but then again I got there I was approached someone told me that you know (laughs) I was scheduled for a car and I thought that my boss had had done me a solid doing that and you know, I, I get in this unmarked car. Okay. That's another thing. Do not get into an unmarked car. If it's not a taxi, if it's not something you've scheduled either. And then he proceeded to charge me 600 euros. And I was so afraid. I mean, the company was going to pay for it. So I, I knew that it was, you know, like, a ridiculous amount but he drove away before telling me wow yeah. yeah so you feel trapped yeah I think car you know ground transportation taxis you know in London I had the experience of you know well in London for example you have to know the difference between mini cabs and cabs black cabs are you know they're licensed and they're vetted and you're safe in a black cab mini cabs are like a car that has a special license to operate as a cab but apparently it's easy enough to get a fake sticker and put that on your windshield and pretend that you're a mini cab so there's a lot of sexual assaults that happen from people pretending to be a mini cab and once i was out after work and was you know, going to take the bus to go home when I, I lived in London, you know, from a, I was right by a tube station. And it was like a five minute ride on the bus to where I lived. And my friends were on the opposite side of the street watching to make sure I got on the bus. Okay. And sure enough, this minicab rolls up and the guy gets out and he starts, you know, trying to sweet talk me. And granted, I, for context, it was winter and I was wearing high heels. So I was probably doing a little bit of a wobble <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't in the plan to be out this late with heels on yeah. anyway 
you know, he was like, oh, where are you going, love? You know, just, just get in my car and I'll take you. Where are you going? Are you going up to Muzzy Hill? And I was just like, you're an unmarked minicab. <laughs> and he all of a sudden was like, oh, and he just went and got in his car and, and took off. But See? I felt oh like, oh my gosh, that guy really was, you know, I mean, I, I called it what it was, but the realization that I was right was actually pretty scary. And again, you just feel so vulnerable mm -hmm. when people even try something, even if you know it and you're like, no, it's this sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach. Like this person is a piece of shit and I don't want. And they want to take advantage of me. Exactly. And I don't think that a lot of people realize how much professional woman can be at risk. I mean, I had another experience a long time ago. Um, And I don't think I even realized how much danger I inadvertently put myself in. Um, Everybody was staying at another hotel for me. It was like a ad ad week, I can't remember, ad tech. It was an ad tech conference and everybody was gone. I had another night before I had to fly back to Europe and I went down to the lobby. You know, there was a bunch of events going on and I used to smoke and I went outside to have a drink and I came back in and got another drink and I was just talking to people and all of a sudden I started just feeling like oh my gosh like I haven't drank that much but I feel like really awful and I had the wherewithal to just say all right I'm I'm off and I went like I just you know went straight up to my room and you know that was that was that well imagine this the next morning I wake up to a security guard going like this to my shoulder in my bed. So I'm in my hotel bed and there's a security guard and a hotel staff, yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? And then they say, we're really sorry. We've been calling you for your wake up call because you know it's in our computer that you have a flight and you weren't answering. And we came and we knocked on the door and we weren't answering. So we had to come in to make sure that you were okay. And so when I was at the the front desk later on, they said that they had, somebody had watched me go up to my room to make sure that I got up by myself. Okay. That's nice. And they had noted to, to check on me because, you know, they saw that a bunch of guys were hanging out with me and they were worried that maybe somebody put something in my, my drink or something like that. And I didn't even, I mean, it's just yeah. crazy to think. And I had a really bad headache the, the next day. But I always thought, I mean, I always thought that my drink was with me. And I mean, I have no idea if it was just some random thing that I was burnt out and slept in. But again, so scary. It's scary. I mean, if I was somewhere where people weren't looking out for me in the hotel, you know, and, you know, things like taking Eurostar from the UK to France and you get off the Eurostar and people are trying to pickpocket you as soon as they think that. that you're, you're not French. And, you know, at the point that I spoke French well enough that I could tell them in very, you know, French words, you know, in a very, you know, like words that you use when you've mastered a language, don't mess with me. I know what you're doing back off. And then they're like, Oh, okay. never mind. She's not a tourist. Yeah. You know, then it changes things, but you know, if you're bopping around with a, you know, good old American smile and nice white teeth, huh? you know, can you tell me how to get to the Eiffel Tower? It's like, <laughs> you know, it's you funny. are a target. Totally. I, I did the exact same thing once I took the Eurostar, which is an amazing experience, by the way, because you're it like is. traveling the, uh, channel like, yeah, under Underneath. underwater and stuff. And it's really cool. But again, when I got to the train station at, um, I don't even remember what it was called, but I mean, that was, yeah. At the airport, I think. Oh, at the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Charles de Gaulle. Charles de Gaulle. Yeah. And, um, that was the only time my corporate credit card was stolen and I'll never forget the people bought (laughs) groceries and porn. (laughs) And I was like, that's the weirdest thing and they they spent like three hundred dollars on the groceries and then like a thousand dollars on the porn and I was like you clearly have your priorities wrong (laughs) 
but yeah, like that was literally the only time that my corporate credit card had ever gotten stolen because in person somebody scanned it or whatever. That's so. crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. But you know, on the you know something that I really I love. Um, so I think a while back you were asking me about you know good business trips, you know, because we were talking about the yeah. bad stuff, and. I traveled once um, with my colleague, John, John Field, mm-hmm. and we traveled a fair bit together and, and he had very complex rules. He'll laugh if he watches this. He had very complex rules that we don't sit beside each other. We sit, you know, in the same cabin near each other, but so that, you know, you as colleagues have space if you want to fall asleep, that you don't feel like you're snoring, you're not so worried about, you know, I don't know like whatever you just I have a little bit more personal space yeah it was really smart and um we had we both had separate flights from London to Singapore and then a plan to meet up in Singapore and go hang out in the lounge on our layover until we flew to Melbourne and everything you know the entire trip so we basically flew there together and then back again and when we would get onto the plane and I would get situated, I would turn around and look to see where he was. And he would always go like this. And he always had this, you know, you have your space, but I'm watching out for you. And I realized it always made me feel much more secure about like, I wasn't worried about what was going on around me because it was literally like big brother yeah. was watching. Exactly. Yeah. I you know, that. and it just, it definitely was, it always felt a lot more safer to have that, you know, not just another colleague, but to have, you know, somebody who was, you know, but I mean, he's super tall. I don't know if you've yeah. ever met him, but he's a super tall guy. In person now, I and, think. Yeah. Yeah. He's super tall. So, and then when we got to Australia, we got to our hotel in Melbourne and it turned out our rooms weren't ready. And, you know, we arrived at like 5 a.m. or oh, something yeah. like that. I've been there. And we had, yeah, we had requested our rooms to be ready early because we had an early flight and it just didn't happen because people checked out late and there's nothing they can do. So, you know, he, you know, found a safe place for us to leave our stuff and get freshened up, whatever. And we took off around to Melbourne to have breakfast. And I was so jet lagged. I mean, I would have been like forgetting my bag here or there. I don't know. But again, it was just, you know, he always had a plan and always, you know, had a good sense of security, but just being, you know, with a guy basically made it feel a lot safer. Yeah. You know, and lounges are something that I've come to love because they definitely feel more safe and secure. Oh, I'm and sure. I, I wouldn't know. I don't, I, I, I was never, you know, part of lounge life, but it sounds amazing. Because I was flying internationally a lot. I racked up the points. points. Yeah. So yeah, having that lounge access and, but my favorite though, going back to London, having been upgraded, either using my points or just by the airline and getting the special pass to whip through immigration. Oh, totally. It's like the godsend. That's so worth it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I haven't had to use any of the special programs for getting through immigration and stuff, but Mm -hmm. you know if the world goes back to a place where I'm traveling a lot again, yeah. then internationally, I might especially consider that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, in terms of travel programs, I had clear TSA pre and global entry, which is what you, you skip customs, but you go to this machine and it scans your eye like you're Tony Stark or James Bond or something. And I always got such a kick out of just, you know, getting a receipt, walking by and everybody, everybody behind me, like, who was that? I remember once this kid um, turned to his mom and said, mommy, is she famous? I turned to him, I knelt down and I said, not yet. This was years ago. It. it was the best thing. It was it. like the most badass thing I ever said to a stranger. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. I love it. Yeah. But I, yeah. I highly, highly suggest any, any travel programs if you're traveling a lot, you know, because a lot of them are expensive. So 
right yeah. they're expensive but it does save a lot of time and especially you know to to your you know your point about arriving in belgium at 11 o'clock at night you know the last thing you want is to be stuck in a customs line and to be leaving an airport really late or to be a straggler leaving the airport you know when i mean there is safety right yeah there's definitely safety in in numbers to some degree when there's you know lots of people around you know it's if you feel unsafe it's easy to go in stands near other people or mm -hmm. you know it's when you're in like these concourse halls that are empty and it's like you know it makes me think of the um I remember going down a conveyor belt in one of these long concourses totally by myself like nobody else was around and it was like I could hear the theme song from Kill Bill in my head. Oh like, my it's just, <laughs> you're crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, I completely know what you mean. Like, it's, you're just, all of your senses are heightened to a point right, where like, it's like, <laughs> what's happening? Yeah. But, you know, I'll, I'll throw in like a, a little wrench, though. I thought, you know, traveling on my own was, you know, I, I had gotten really used to it. When I became a mom and I started, you know, business traveling with my child, that was like, a whole other experience because you're you're so distracted right you're trying to look after another human being right and it's just you know i remember getting to i was actually um in orlando it was when the first time that i went to psych course symposium in orlando mm -hmm. and i had this you know this big bag with a car seat in it because my little one was in his car seat on the plane and I had our carry-on and I had, you know, when I had, you know, my carry-on, his carry-on and all this stuff. And I'm walking along and I could see out of the corner of my eye, somebody that I knew. And they were kind of like walking, like they were unsure if they should help me. And in my head, I was going, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yes, help. <laughs> Please help. This I'm is, a mom. This is right i mean this is not the time for you know thinking like hey you know women can be strong on their own no <laughs> you see a woman in the airport you know with a small child and yeah. you know carrying alice on their shoulders then help help <laughs> yeah so i mean i can't even imagine traveling with a child and then having to attend a conference how does that work <laughs> um does it work well, the, well i've got i've definitely got you know i got better at it the first time i actually just had to drive from los angeles to san diego but i also hadn't driven in a long time so that was kind of a little bit stressful and it started pouring rain and it doesn't usually rain so that was just fantastic but i arranged for childcare ahead of the time okay um so what i did learn was that it's most hotels have good resources for, you know, where to find like licensed people and some, some hotels, like really good hotels or like Disney hotels have programs where there's oh, yeah. people that they're recommending for providing childcare. So that's okay. So the first time it was like Mary Poppins showed up and <laughs> was kind of like, okay, you think that you're the first woman to ever attend a conference with your child, but you're not. So you know, you do your thing. I have your phone number. Trust me, your child will be okay. And it's kind of like, don't say trust you. Don't say trust you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mom. Like a complete stranger, happy you're licensed, but trust is not something that mom yeah. or, or women in general just, right. you know, give but away. But they're, they, they get that. And so she would send me photos of them where I could clearly see where they were in the hotel. So I had context. That's good. And, you know, I would get messages about what he'd eaten, what was going on. And, you know, if I wanted them to come and meet me somewhere for a while. And Aww. so, you know, that worked out better than I expected, but then flying was another thing, but flying, even for myself, I found, I would say to a lot of women, if you're somewhere like I live now where you can either drive to the airport or you know, like public transportation isn't really an option. So you're either going to Uber or, you know, something like that. I've found that I feel much safer if I'm driving myself mm -hmm. and driving me and my child. And we park somewhere that's very close to the airport, especially if it's 
like a parking spot, like valet parking yeah. kind of thing where you're just driving in where there's lots of people, you get your stuff out, you get in your little bus that's taking you into the terminal. And just not having to go wandering through a parking structure by yourself at any time of day mm -hmm. just makes me feel a lot better about where I'm going and when I'm coming back. That's it's really definitely, smart. Yeah, definitely smart. And just, I think I've learned with everything, like any amenities that you need, you know, airport websites have a lot of information. If you look up that information beforehand and you know where you're going, what's there, it's just, the more you, you give the presence of, you know, that you have the presence of mind that you know where you're going and what you're yeah. doing. You give off the vibe that you're not the person to bother. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when you don't have the experience traveling and you're going somewhere for the first time and you don't know where you're going, then you're a deer caught in headlights and bad people know that. Exactly. They sense it. Yeah. I um, once traveled to London six times in a year. And oh, wow by the second time, like I had it down, the people at the airport actually started to get to know me and my phone thought I worked at the airport. So <laughs> like, That's it was, funny. it was an interesting time, but I, I had everything down, same flight time, same like schedule overall. I actually got to know London so well that, that these American tourists stopped me on the street one day to ask where there was a uh, ATM and I knew and I was like <laughs> you're American I'm American oh my god you know <laughs> we had a That's little awesome. like moment yeah it's funny you know I'll, this is unrelated to travel safety but travel and I think it's funny I was in Paris living in Paris and I was on one of the regional trains and there were a couple of American ladies that were sitting talking and they were trying to figure out how to get somewhere. And they were coming up with the most complicated plan, you know, looking at the, the, the map of the metro system. Yeah. If you live there, sometimes you know that it's easier just to go out of a station and walk across the street and into the next station where they were like going all over the place. And so I just turned to them and said, oh, you know what? The easiest thing to do is X, Y, Z. And you know what the response was? Hmm. Oh my gosh, where did you where did you learn to speak English? <laughs> you speak English so well. Oh I God. mean, that's great. And I actually kind of thought for a minute. I don't know if I want to embarrass them, so I just played along with it. I was like, oh yeah, my 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 dad, he's American. <laughs> I I think the best compliment I ever got in. London was somebody asked me if I was Canadian and I was like yay I'm so nice they don't think I'm American <laughs> that was just like high honors and I just agreed again like you did I was just like yes yes I am a yep I'm Canadian <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah it's funny it's definitely but that, that is really funny because British people really tend to know we can usually tell the difference in the accent. Yeah. I've lived outside of my country for so long that I can, I go back to Canada and they're like, are you American? And I'm like, <laughs> you're like, what? No. <laughs> yeah. I got off a flight, you know, going from the U S to Canada once and immigration asked me what the purpose of my visit was, you know, and it's like, you know, their, their jobs are robotic and people forget that they see so many hundreds of people. Oh yeah. But it was clear that she hadn't really registered that I was carrying a Canadian passport. And <sighs> my answer was, well, I decided to come home to the mothership. Oh, and I kept it straight. The mothership. <laughs> it, took, I love it. it took a second to realize that I was being, you know, cheeky. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, I remember once in London, I never flew to Heathrow. I, I did that like twice and I was like, never again. I mean, it's a, it's really? a cool experience It's the biggest airport in the entire world. Like it's very, it's just too much for me. I <laughs> chose, um, South Gatwick instead, which is a very nice, you know, smaller airport. And it's the same mm -hmm. drive to London overall. Anyway, it's true. But, yep. Yeah. At, at customs, um, the officer whatever they're called 
asked me why I was there and <laughs> I said work he asked me why they didn't hire someone from the UK he actually said that to me and I was just so tired you know That's I, cheeky. I, I didn't have time for that shit and I, I should have said because I'm the best candidate for this job. Like, you know, how dare you? Like, he, he would have never asked a man that question is just all I'm saying. Like, right. <laughs> and you, that's another thing too. I mean, that, that kind of stuff happens when you're traveling yeah. internationally. And, you know, to be fair, I think that it happens a lot when you have an American accent yeah, or, you know, people perceive to be an American accent. And I'm not going to speculate about why that is. Um, but I have friends that, you know, and probably, you know, I think British people get that in France, but I've had a lot of friends, you know, tell me stories about being treated a certain way when people heard their accent and, you know, why are you here and that kind of thing. So yeah. it's, it's crummy. You know, I had one time going from, I mean, I used to ping pong back and forth from the UK to France. And one time going back, you have to, you always have to go through um, French and British customs when you're going back onto Eurostar and the British customs asked me um they asked me something about my card I think that I put on my card that I was a resident and I was a resident um but they started lecturing me about how I wasn't a resident because I wasn't British and it was some weird thing that this person was saying to me and I thought but this is how I like because you have to fill out a card every yeah. time you go and so the next time I went back, I asked them, you know, I, I haven't finished filling out the form because last time I checked this box and they told me that was wrong and that I'm not a resident. And they were like, no, that person was just giving you a hard time. Yeah. And sucks. it just, you know, those types of things would make me feel kind of crappy sometimes, yeah. you know, like I definitely, I think everywhere, you know, when you're either living somewhere or traveling somewhere for business, you kind of have to get a bit of a thick skin. Yeah. You know, like in France, I learned, you know, when the sun goes down, if you can't respond to something in French, like if a stranger comes up to you, you just don't talk. I yeah. mean, I've developed a really good ability just to keep too. my mouth shut and just not say anything because they don't know what to do. But if you talk and they hear your accent, they know that you're a foreigner and then you're prey, right? And I mean, it's not to say that everybody is bad, but that's how the bad people are trying to find their victims, basically. Exactly. You know? I learned very quickly, don't go to France and try to speak French if you don't really speak it. I took French in high school for seven years, but that didn't really do any good because I hadn't spoken it, you know, and well, mm -hmm. whatever. But <laughs> the only thing I could remember to say was, Je ne parle pas bien français. Like I don't speak English or I don't speak French well. You know, it's the only thing I could remember, like in an instant. And that it even me saying that correctly was not good. <laughs> I should have just walked yeah. away or said nothing. Yeah, I mean, when it's like certain places and and times, it's just better, you know, when you're traveling to not say anything, and. You know, it, it's amazing how you begin to, you know, learn and, and adapt to different things. Like the first time I went to France, it was just for a trip. And I walked up to somebody on a train platform and it was empty, right? It was a Sunday evening. And the only reason I was out gallivanting around was because I had a flight the next morning and I was trying to see my last bits of Paris. Yeah. And I went up to some lady and, and said to her in French, can I ask you a question? And she just stared at me and I thought, okay, we're not very nice friends here. But after I lived there, I understood. She didn't know who I was and she wasn't, oh yeah, you know, prepared to engage in, in conversation, right? So it's it's interesting, you know, everywhere you learn different things about how to navigate, you know, and how to talk to people and yeah. I you think know. it's very, you know, people need to know you're not it, here in America, people will talk to you like strangers, whoever. When you go to other countries, people are not like that. 
you don't generally mm-hmm. want to just walk up to a stranger on the street and ask them where the ATM Direction. is or where, you know, right. like food is. I was in um, yeah. Rome and I knew this. My companion at the time, she did not know this. She walked up to some guy on the street. It was at night. It was like eight o'clock at night. It was dark. And she asked him for a, you know, restaurant or something. And he looked at her and was like, what do you mean? Like McDonald's? I was so mad. I just like walked. I said, I told you not to talk to people like they don't like Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I used to say to people, so, you know, when you go to different places, you see how they respond to tourists. And I used to say, you know, what airlines should do is, you know, give people little brochures or something to let them know about some of the customs of where they're going. I mean, airlines, or, your work should do that when they send you right. places. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I mean, you know, interesting enough, when I did my master's in France, we had, you know, classes from our first week in our program. It was a global program. So we spent a week getting to to know different things about where we're from. And I mean, ultimately, through that program, we learned a lot about international business and customs. And, you know, it's I think for me, it's become kind of second nature, some things about the way you greet people or the way that you talk to people or the way that you make eye contact or don't, you know, where you can just talk to a stranger and where you don't. And and it, it's something that I, I, I miss having the international experience now because I feel like I've learned so much about international business. I should be doing something that's more international. Um, but it definitely having that context is definitely helpful because I've, you know, even with friends, when they travel, they post things on Facebook. And sometimes I just think like, are you trying to get like assaulted? Are you trying to be, you know, ripped off, taken advantage of? Are you trying to get your stuff stolen? You know, or people, you know, tell you, oh, I went to, you know, Sacre-Cœur and I was saying a prayer and I left my purse on my, you know, on the bench behind me. And you're like, oh my God. Do you, do you think <laughs> don't ever take your purse off okay off. Just right and yeah. definitely don't leave it behind you and mm-hmm. but I mean there's just so many crazy stories of things that you know people tell you like you're telling me about your friend asking a guy in the corner and I thought you were going to say she asked him where the ATM was and I was like so basically you're saying hey you know why don't you Steal walk from me, me. Yeah. money so I can just keep on taking money out for you <laughs> oh my god I never even thought about that geez That's there's terrible. just I mean there's things that you just have to be aware of like you know it it is it is crazy like going through turnstiles you know it's it's a great place for people to pickpocket you to just try to squeeze in the turnstile behind you or grab your bag while you're going through and stay on the other side and you know there's there's places where if you're a tourist, not everybody in every country is really happy about having a lot of tourists around all the time. And sometimes people are just annoyed because you're being too loud or they're tired of, you know, hearing people speaking in another language, you know, whether that's right or not, isn't really the question. It's that, you know, being aware of how other people perceive you. Yes. And I, I, I will say this, you know, from my Canadian heart, I think growing up in Toronto, having people from all around the world around me kind of made me aware about the idea of when you go to somebody else's country, it's not, it's not, you know, how can I say this without offending anybody? Your first thought shouldn't be those people have to respect me. They have to, you know, I have my rights. I have my liberties. You're going to somebody else's home. You're going to their country and their culture, and you should step into it with, you know, feeling honored to be a guest in their country and culture and want to learn from them, right? So, I mean, in some places, the way that you hold your utensils matters. Yeah. You know, the way that you you talk and eat and greet and everything, it matters. And if you know those things and you you try, most people can sense effort. You'll have so much of a better experience anywhere Absolutely. you go, you know? Yeah. So, it's kind of, you know, when I see people in places that are just being, you know, the rowdy, 
you know, tourists or, you know, even on business out with their, their mates having drinks and stuff. And you think you're not like, why are, why can't you try to fit in? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I live in Orlando. I know about that. Like the tourist capital. You have lived that all here. the time. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. But I live outside of it enough that like, it's not as much. So, you know, right. it's not so bad. Um, speaking of countries and culture and learning, what culture have you learned the most from or the coolest um, learning experience overall? Huh. I don't know. Um, I mean, I've already talked a lot about France. So I have like a predisposition to there. Um, you know, going to Hong Kong, oh, I love China, Hong Kong. Macau, yeah. that was, yeah, that was an interesting experience of fitting in or understanding things. But for a while, I had to go to Poland from time to time for business. And I will, I mean, I grew up in Toronto with a lot of Polish immigrants around me. So I thought that I, you know, recognized the culture. But going there I learned things that weren't I mean they're not huge things but they're kind of little things that matter um I found that at least my colleagues were incredibly inclusive of employees that had um a handicap hmm. and I was just blown away by the extent to which my colleagues went to make one of their handicapped um physically handicapped colleagues feel that he was just part of the team that that was really um it was just unexpected you know I just you know I don't know how else to put it um I also found when I would go to Poland that you know you kind of expected that your colleagues in Poland would want to hang out with you and you know go have a dinner with you because you're visiting yeah but they wanted to have lunch with you and coffee with you during the day during work hours but outside of work they want to be with their families they and they're do. so family oriented yep. and I thought that's you know that's really awesome and I, I love that so we you know it was like once we you know a lot of my colleagues we were growing fast um we understood that so we would plan our business trips together so that we wouldn't be by ourselves in Poland so that we would be there on you know our different projects at the same time and we would have dinner together um yeah i guess i learned you know just working with my colleagues there made me very aware of just listening first you know and, and getting to understand the environment and what the norms were there and following suit you know just feeling like that's okay or you know just to ask people you know what you know, how do we do things? What's the right way to do something? And people are more than happy to to tell you and and tell you about their culture. And, yeah. you know, I mean, even asking people where to go for dinner and, you know, telling you about something cool, you should try because it's cool for them. Um, but I did learn when you go to Poland, the immigration people are scary. Oh, no. They're military. Oh, they're military. Yeah. It's like that in uh, Mexico too. That freaked me out. They're, they're standing there with like AKs or something, like the big, you know, huge guns. They're just like standing there, and it's very unnerving. Yeah, I think my I went to um, a small a smaller city in Poland, and I think my my colleagues were kind of enjoying the opportunity to you know initiate me into their world because nobody told me that every time you go to Poland the first time the military is going to come and pull you aside and you know ask you a bunch of questions and search you things so I, I had no idea I all of a sudden was you know all dressed prim and proper and dragged off with a bunch of military people and put in yeah. a room and they were just kind of sitting there staring at me and that's scary they were going through my passport and I've been traveling all over the world oh yeah so in this passport it was like they're looking at it going why were you in Australia business and Germany business, business. and Denmark business <laughs> lots and of business Ireland, and business <laughs> and yeah. America 
business, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're just like, so what do you do? Yeah. Do you have fun? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I don't know, I guess the, you know, for me, it was re really just having the opportunity of, you know, just learning about the little idiosyncrasies, if you will, yeah. that are different between, you know, what I'm used to on a daily basis and what my colleagues were, were used to. Exactly. Every culture has their own things. Like I really loved learning that in Canada, it is not macaroni and cheese. It is craft dinner. That was like one of my favorite things that someone told me. Yeah. And I mean, it's, true. it's, it's just these small things that you don't learn, you know, like in history class or anything like that. Like I didn't learn Canadian history. I learned European. I didn't even learn African history. I, I had to study that on my own, but yeah. And in um, London, was like my favorite place, obviously. I love royalty and, you know, all of that stuff. And the first time I went, I um, took a, a cab. I actually had a great experience this time, but I do, like we said earlier, schedule a car ahead of time. Um, this cab driver was so nice. I, I told him it was my first time to London and I'm American and just driving me around. And he did. And he like showed me Clarence house and like where Hitler's dog is buried. And oh, really? I don't drove, know what that is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like some tiny alley, you know, like I, I was just like, these are not things that you hear about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I just immersed myself in the culture so much. I, I still do. I love everything British, honestly. And I really, really miss Cadbury and um, what are the other things? The um, jammy Dodgers. <laughs> Those were a fun snack. Yeah. I was really never into the snacks. One of my friend's husband's is British and he would always be, oh, Kim, Kim, you have to try, you know, this treat or that treat. And, you know, oh, look at the, you know, Kiplinger's, you know, these little cakes and stuff. And even my colleagues, when I worked in London, sometimes would bring in treats and, you know, it's like the French ruins me, you know, once I spent oh, yeah. all the time in France with their treats, it was like, no. I'm not, no, I'm not spending my calories on that. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. That's so. how I am with uh, China. Like the food there I had was so amazing that Chinese food here is just like a waste of time. It really is. It's oh, yeah. so much more flavorful there and everything's handmade and it's all fresh and all of that stuff. And it's just amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, I had, um, I actually went, this trip was, was for fun. It was to see a friend in Hong Kong. I, you know, was hiking. We went up on the, the mountains oh, and these alarm bells went off and my friends were like, oh, that's a T3. I said, What's a T3? Oh, Typhoon category three. It's okay. We just need to get off the mountain. Oh, oh my gosh. No. I have torrential rain. Like we were soaked. <laughs> and like eaten alive by mosquitoes by the time oh, we got yeah. back down and we just walked into this hut and I mean this is a regular occurrence right they sell flip-flops so they're used to people getting down with their you know their running shoes being soaked <laughs> and just getting flip-flops and you know we sat there you know having soup with noodles and tatsoi and you know cans of whatever beer they were and and you know it was such a different experience from you know, any, anywhere else, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like here sometimes in America going out is going out to eat junk food, oh, you know, yeah, going out course. to eat, like, it's always junk food, Yeah. you know? And, and that's definitely something that I think I've become more aware. It's not like that everywhere else. Oh, you know? it's not French like people go out anywhere. for like a nice, yeah. right. It's very American. It's like here, everything has to be about French fries or deep fried or cheeseburgers. Yeah, that's my thing. Yeah, <laughs> cheeseburgers. I haven't had a good cheeseburger. We got to get together and have a cheeseburger. We totally do. Oh my God. I know <laughs> so many good places, but honestly, the best one I ever had was in Texas. Like any kind of 
cow product, you know, that you can have, it's, it's better in Texas. I had a steak <laughs> in London one time, never again, never again. Maybe <laughs> like, you have that steak. It if you was, went to a Wetherspoons pub, then I will tell you, you went to the wrong place no, for a steak. But... It was um, across the way on the Thames from uh, St. Catherine's dock. It was like, across I don't I don't remember what it was called but I remember mm. walking there because it was you know I'm walking on the tower bridge I see pictures of this all the time and it's very cool yeah it could be you know you always have to be careful where you eat in tourist areas and that's kind of yeah you know that that is true but I mean at the same time I am kind of teasing you because I don't know that I would go to London for a steak no for, I would go to Paris and you know I'm all about steak free so that yeah it definitely everywhere has their, their thing yeah interestingly sure. in london i think the best food i had was indian food <laughs> you know they have a lot that's of that. not surprising because they have yeah. a lot of that for sure there's definitely a big um a big community especially on um around shortage in that that area there's a lot of cool places to go I can't think of the brick lane. That's what it's called. Mm, yeah. But yeah, everywhere has their places to go. You know, it's a, you know, another thing that we miss out on business travel is just, you know, sometimes you end up going to the most obvious places, which are more tourist places. And, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes even getting that inside scoop about the places where the locals go is yeah. another level of, you know, safety to consider because that's usually... You know, that's not where you're, you know, most at risk. You're just, you know, in somebody's neighborhood. So yeah. excellent advice. I would love to talk to you forever. I think that you and I could talk all night about all of this stuff, but I should wrap it up. Just thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with me and and share all of you travel, you've traveled way more than I have, <laughs> many more countries and all, all of your tips are excellent. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. It's always great talking to you. Today's episode is sponsored by Pluralsight. Pluralsight is the premier learning platform for technology skills. With a Pluralsight subscription, you can have access to thousands of courses created by industry experts, including myself, covering topics from programming languages to soft skills, including leadership and management. Visit trsintech.com slash Pluralsight to get started with a free 10-day trial today. If you want to support us, please like, subscribe, and share this episode with your fellow gems. Let me know in the comments what other topics you would like me to cover. Thanks for watching or listening, and have a great day.